0: God has a family, and he calls it his church. It's a massive global community comprised of people of every race, social, economic background, color, and creed. And we are ACF Church, a specific tribe of God's family with a vision to see it be in Alaska as it is in heaven. We are not self-motivated, but spirit-motivated, and by his might, we work to see transformation in the lives of our community. You cannot buy our hearts because we are trading this world for the priceless prize that is in Christ. We are hopeful in a hope-starved world because Jesus has already conquered the world. And we fight. We fight hard for what is true and good and just in our midst. Why? Because Christ first fought for us. Why? Because love always tastes better than hatred. Why? Because time is short and the stakes are high. And we each have our own story. We are the churched who see our state as a mission field for the expansion of the gospel. We are the unchurched who are seeking truth and authentic community in a Jesus-focused place. And we are the de-churched who have been broken by religion but have chosen to pursue God for who he is on his terms. So we amplify the grace that will change the world. It's who we are because God is alive. We are ACF Church. this morning. I know a lot of people have come back from a deployment recently as well, and so uh, lots of Facebook pictures of people hugging each other, And but many people are still uh, out of town or maybe even deployed as well, so we love you. We're glad that you're with us this morning, and so we are in a series of talks called We Are ACF, and it's a journey through our values as a church, and and really, this is going to be a great series if you're brand new to Alaska, uh, brand new to ACF, to get a, a sense of what we're about, what we're here for. and. and and what we're here to do. And so uh, stick around for this. If you have missed the past couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to go back online, listen to those messages, and you're really gonna get a sense of of who we are as a church. The the first week, we talked specifically about how we are in this together. We're better together. And we really believe that, that uh, we need each other. And uh, a lot of times we miss that if life's sort of ticking along, we're doing really well until things fall apart and there's no one there to help lift us back up. And so we need each other, we need community. The mission of God is so great that we believe that we need to do it together. And it actually minimizes the mission to say that we don't need each other, we don't need community. Uh, The the, the mission of God to reach the world with the gospel is so great, we need each other. Uh, And then last week we said that life is a mission, not a vacation. Uh, as we just said, we uh, it's easy to go through life and, and miss that we're here to do something. We're here for the world, and we talked about that. This week, we're going to talk about our value, which is that we are contributors and not consumers. We are contributors, not consumers. Now, um, we live in a highly consumeristic culture, don't we? Um, really consumeristic, and, and I don't even think that we we realize it because it's sort of the water that we swim in. That we swim in this consumerism all the time. And uh, many of us, most of us, have kind of become immune uh, to even noticing what's going on. And so I've got a few consumerism statistics just to get the ball rolling here this morning. These are a few things that uh, we should be aware of. The first is this there are an average of 300,000 items in the average American home. Isn't that crazy? I don't know if you've counted lately, somebody did. Somebody who's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of items. 300,000 items in the average American home. Average Americans spend $9,049 a year uh, just on their vehicles. So that's maintenance and that's uh, car payments or whatever. In 2014, enough K-cups were consumed to circle the earth 12 times. That's a lot of K-cups. I love my Keurig. Just killing the world one coffee at a time. So anyway... Um, how about this one with malnutrition affecting over 1.6 billion or million children? About 40% of American food actually goes to waste. We throw away 40% of our food, and, and I grew up in a home where it's like, uh, you know, if you put it on your plate, you ate it right? Anybody else have a dad that, this is a dad line, uh, your eyes were bigger than your stomach. Anybody else's dad say that? Your eyes were bigger than your stomach, so you're going to eat the whole thing, kid, even if you're throwing up. So uh, digital marketing experts say that we're exposed to four to 10,000 advertisements every day. That's through your Facebook feed, uh, that's through uh, internet sites and signs on the side of the road, and I mean, it's everywhere we look. And this is interesting, 40, 46% of Americans spend more than they make every month, So almost half of us in this room are spending more than we make every single month. So if that's you, uh, you need to watch the Joe Sangle message from a few weeks ago and join our financial training class because, um, man, that's so easy to get into that because there's so much being fed to us and we just say, yeah, I want that, I want this, and we end up in a terrible financial situation. And so we are in a consumer nation. A consumer nation. And I want you to open up your Bible, if you have one, to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is going to speak. This is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a sermon about a different way of living. It's really a sermon to help a Christian see what life in the kingdom of God is like. And so Jesus is going to kind of line this out for his followers, and, and he's going to show us there's just like actually a different way to live, and a different way to walk through life than, than many people do. And so he's going to start off by giving us some commands. Let's read this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is going to go on to talk about some some commands that people understood and many of the religious people in the room would have understood these commands. And so Jesus is like, hey, you've heard it said, but I say. You're going to hear him do this a lot. And if you're not already intimidated with trying to become a Christian and walking this way of Jesus and walking this lifestyle of Jesus, you will be intimidated in the next couple of minutes. Because he's going to line out what it actually looks like to pursue God in this new kingdom. He says this in verse 21 He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, "You fool," will be liable to the hell of fire. Anybody been angry this week? It's all right. You don't have to raise your hand. Now he's going to talk about lust. Let's get in your business here. Verse 27. You've heard that it was said, "You shall not commit adultery." Good place to start. Verse 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So there you go. Um, Not only don't commit adultery, but then don't lust. So just go do that. Um, This one's about promises, making promises you can't keep. Verse 33 says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. So you go, don't make promises at all. This one's about retribution, verse 38. You've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, I don't know what your first impulse is if somebody were to slap you, like right now. But it wouldn't be to turn the other cheek for me. Anyway, so, okay, so there you go. Don't go retaliating in any situation. And if you're not already going, I am a total failure. Verse 48 you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So there you go. Who's intimidated? Anybody? Anybody want to be honest? Okay, I am. Um, this, is, this is massive. He's helping this crowd to see what life in the, in the kingdom is like. And, and what we need to understand is that anytime Jesus gives a commandment, it's always for our betterment. It's always for the, the flourishing of us and the people that live in this world with us. But when we read this, we realize how unattainable perfection really is. And this is really Jesus' point. Hey, if you want to live in this kingdom, you're going to need some grace. You're going to need some grace. And he closes out his sermon in Matthew 7, verse 24, by sort of saying what he said at the very beginning. And he says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus is saying, hey, there is something to do. When you choose to follow Jesus, there's something to do. And and there are some people who read these words uh, of Jesus's and do nothing with them. And he says, it's like building a house with no solid foundation. And I was thinking this illustration kind of makes sense to us as Alaskans because it seems like every spring, somebody's house falls into a river. In Alaska, right? Because the rivers in Alaska, they take on different paths in the springtime, and sometimes they will find themselves over by somebody's house who built maybe a little too close to the river, and many times homes were not built on solid foundations, they were built on silt and sand, and then when the water comes, it washes the house out into the river. So we get this, that a Christianity that results in a faith that doesn't do anything is not really Christianity at all. That's his point, that's really his point, but I want to focus on verse 24 because we're all kind of discouraged at this point, intimidated by, okay, so how will I ever begin? Some of you are in this room and you're like, that's why I'm not a Christian because I can't do any of that stuff well. In verse 24, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, does them, this, this word does is the Greek word poieo. Can we say that together? Let's say it together. One, two, three, poieo. And poieo simply means to form, mold, perform, or here's the key, practice. Practice. Now here's the thing that I think Jesus is trying to communicate to these people. First, he's trying to show them what the standard of holiness is, perfection. And trying to help them see their desperate need for a Savior. That you cannot clean your life up enough to get acceptance before God. You actually need a Savior. You need the work of Jesus in your life. So he's he's trying to communicate that to them, but he's also teaching them that to live this life is gonna take practice. And I just wonder if maybe somebody here this morning needs to hear that there is room in the family of God for you to practice your faith. That there is room in Christ and in, in a relationship with him for you to practice because we know that practice means you're going to mess up, right? So like my daughter, she plays softball. My wife is coaching. And every week they have, they have practice throughout the week. And it's funny, this week I was like, are you going to practice? She's like, I don't know if I need it. And I'm like, you're 11 <laughs> playing softball. And she's like, yeah, but I can hit the ball. I barely ever strike out. I'm pretty good at it. You know, she's like, I don't really need practice. But obviously, like we do. We all need practice. And some of us are like that. We're like, I think I'm pretty decent. But when you read this list... Among many others, you realize, no, okay, you, maybe you've heard it said, well, just don't kill anybody, but just if you've got anger in your heart, you are already failing. So clearly, we need to practice. There's something to be done with our faith. There is an actual uh, a result of true faith. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but be doers, there's that word again, doers of the word, And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. The translation is, a wise man puts his faith in Jesus and then acts upon this belief. But hearing without doing is a rejection of who you are in Christ. It's like you've forgotten who you are. You looked at who you are in Christ. You walked away from the mirror and forgot who you are in Christ. Now, maybe you're kind of wondering, what does this have to do with we are ACF or like our values as a, as a church? I get it, Brian. I'm supposed to act out my faith. Here's the thing. You can write this down. ACF is not a product for consumption, but a family on mission. I want to come back to this consumerism idea because church is where we practice Our faith. This is a community in which we come together to practice what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And we need each other. We need to rub off on each other. We need to be challenged by each other. We need to learn from each other. But that's really what the church is. And I, I don't know what you came to church today for. Uh, maybe you didn't come here to practice anything. Maybe you came for a sermon and some good music and a coffee. And, and that's great. And that's a place to begin but I just want you to know the church is not a product for consumption. It's actually a family on mission, which makes a lot of people a little more uncomfortable, right? Um, because I want to tell you that in the world that we live in today, we don't do community super well. In fact, in this like, you know, post-modern iPhone tech crazed culture, we've kind of lost the art of relationships, haven't we? Anybody? Have you felt that, just how awkward it is? Um, Uh, just just relationships in general. I was listening to something yesterday. I was talking about how school dances are changing, you know? Like junior high school dances, no more do people dance. They just all sit on each side and text each other from each side of the room, right? Like, it's just changed. Some of you were like, yep, I was doing, some of you junior hires were doing that last week. So, I mean, that that just happens. Like, culture's changing. We've lost the art of, of interacting with other human beings. And so then you come to this thing, this ancient rhythm in the life of believers in Jesus of gathering and meeting together, and some of you are just like, I don't know what to do with any of this, right? I don't know what to do with face-to-face interaction anymore. If, if I were just to tell you all to text each other this week, it would be like, cool, I can, I can do that. But we've gotten really uncomfortable with like, uh, you know, invite somebody out, out to lunch that you've never met before. Some of you are like, do what? That's like offensive to even think about. Why would we even begin to do that? And so we've, we've lost the art of being face-to-face with people and learning to practice our faith together. So we isolate, we separate, and we don't get the practice we need to actually grow in this. ACF Church is, a, is not a product for consumption, a family on mission. We are here together today to practice what it means to live life in the kingdom. And one of the most central things to living life in the kingdom is to be a servant. We know this, that Jesus was the Son of God and that the Son of God did not come to the world to be served but to serve, right? And so central to the ways of Jesus, like if you're here today and you really want to understand what life in the kingdom is like, what life as a Christian is like, what you need to know is that it's all about serving other people and serving the world. There's actually nothing less gospel-centered than to be a consumer in the world when you are a Christ follower, because Jesus was the exact opposite of a consumer, one who came and gave and served to the point of death. And so all of us can grow in this, right? All of us can grow and figure out, okay, what, how do I take steps away from consumerism? But first we have to sort of figure out where we're at. Like you, I, I want you to just take a second in your seat and do sort of a self-audit. And I'm going to ask you some fairly basic questions about church I just want you to kind of think about what the answer is in your mind, okay? Can we do this? (laughs) Yeah? All right, sweet. Here's the first question. Do you choose to go to church only when you need it? Next question is, what is your reflex when church doesn't meet your expectations? When you showed up and Kids' ministries all torn apart and a bunch of equipment in the back and you're checking in under, under a tent and then you've got to run over here and check this kid in and check that kid in and squeeze up this little hallway. And you know, like, What is your reflex in a situation like that? How about this? When you're at church, do you wait for others to talk with you or do you go talk with others? You come in, you sit down and say, okay, people are going to talk to me. They're supposed to talk to me. How about this one? Are you following up with people? From the family being this family during the week, like in any way. You just anybody, just one person in this room, are you following up with them during the week? Hey, can I pray for you? How you doing? Hey, I heard you were struggling with your parents, I heard you were struggling with school, I heard you're struggling at work, like, hey, I just want to check in on you, maybe grab coffee or something. Just just one person are you are you doing that? How about this? Do you see worship as a time to give or to get? When you come to church, you come to this gathering, how about when the music begins? Is it a time to give or a time to get? How about this one? Do you ask what ministries the church offers or what you can offer the ministry? Now, all of these questions are based on things that I personally have struggled with and that I've heard before. So I'm a pastor and I hear a lot of stuff, right? And I get a lot of questions, and, and and I think at the heart, I don't even think we realize what these questions mean, right? Maybe you're new to ACF, and you ask the question, hey, what ministries do you offer my kids? Because it's kind of like you're checking out, like, the Alaska Club, right? You're like, well, you know, what temperature's the pool? What kind of classes do you have? How many treadmills? You know, so you kind of show up, and, and I get it, like, there's there's sort of a do I want to be a part of this. Can my, can my kids grow here? And as a parent, I'm a parent. I want to know that my kids are going to grow and they're going to be plugged into something where they're going to grow. So I don't know that we even think about it. We just sort of ask these questions. Or maybe you've made statements. You've left church before and been like, I didn't get anything out of worship today. Right? I've heard people say that. I'm a worship leader. And so I've heard people say, I don't get anything out of worship. And I'm always like, you're not supposed to. <laughs> it's not for you. I'm supposed to give something during worship. Uh, you know, like I mean, we we say things. I don't even think we realize what we're saying when we say them. But what posture do you have when you show up to the gathering of the church? Now you're here, maybe here for the first time, and you're like, okay, come on, Brian. Like it's my first time. I just checked my kid in. Relax, please. Be served. But I want to push on you. If this is your church family, if this is your home, if you are part of this community, I just wondered, like, what are you doing? to be a contributor and not a consumer. And how do you approach the family of God in general? Do you see the, the family as a, as a space to get something or a community to give something? Now, somebody here probably was wounded by legalism growing up. Maybe you grew up in a church where it was all about do this, do that, and you felt like you got a lot of rules at church. And we talk a lot as ACF that we're here for the de Some of you were wounded and, and you're like, man, I don't want that. Last thing I need is some pastor telling me what to do, right? But in the end, here's what happens. If you've been wounded by legalism, wounded by somebody telling you what to do, here's what I think happens. I think that Christians who have been wounded by legalism will be tempted to drink the poison of consumerism and call it grace. Let me say that again. Christians who have been wounded by legalism will be tempted to drink the poison of consumerism and call it grace. And let me just tell you, friends, that's not grace at all. Because the grace that we speak about as a church, the grace that we amplify in Christ, when you receive it, you can't help but give it. When you are served by Jesus, you can't help but serve others. And so the brand of Christianity and the the practice that we're trying to promote here and give a space uh, to, 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 to do is a way of living in this kingdom of God that is selfless and serving and loving. And when you do, you will receive all the more from Jesus really believe that that's how it, how it works. I ran across this article in uh, Christianity Today. It was talking about consumerism church. And they said this. When we approach Christianity as consumers rather than seeing it as a comprehensive way of life, an interpretive set of beliefs and values, Christianity becomes just one more brand we consume, along with Gap, Apple, and Starbucks to express our identity. And the demotion of Jesus Christ from Lord to label means to live as a Christian no longer carries an expectation of obedience and good works, but rather the perpetual consumption of Christian merchandise and experiences, music, books, t-shirts, conferences, and jewelry. This is where this culture takes us, to this empty form of Christianity where, you know, we've been so indoctrinated with consumerism that we haven't traded consumerism for a different way of life. We've just traded a brand for a brand. Okay, now no longer am I going and and consuming this product on the weekends, now I'm consuming the church product. And in the end, it leads to an empty faith, like a really boring faith. And honestly, in the end, we might as well be doing something else. It's been sunny this weekend, right? And and a brand of faith where we're showing up just to get something is a waste of our time. It's really not Christianity at all. The way of Jesus is to come and to serve and I love this challenge that we can't turn Jesus into a label to consume. You can write this down. When we make the church into a vending machine, it will become an object of great frustration. I've seen this before, where the product isn't good enough, right? And I just, I want, I, I want to let you down early. If you're brand new to the church, I want to let you down early. Um, the product will not be always up to your expectations, right? So like I work on my sermons during the week. I do my best. But you can go kick on like a Comedy Central thing on Netflix today and it's probably a lot more entertaining than this sermon right now. I'm just telling you, right? I mean if you're looking for entertainment or a little pick me up or whatever like at some point the product will probably not meet your expectations. Not the best church in the world. You know, we we meet together. We we do what we do as a family. We have music. There's an opportunity to worship God, and I think our band's incredible. Aren't they awesome? Like, they're so good. Yeah, you can clap for the band. That's awesome. They're so good. But you can go and watch music with more lights, and you can find the music that fits your personality exactly, exactly the brand of music that you like. You can find that somewhere else. You can go downtown. Moose's Tooth is doing shows all summer long. You can go to shows, right? And I just want you to know at some point the product will not meet your expectations and when it does, the church will be an object of great frustration. And you won't maybe know why, but I want you to know it comes back to the posture that you show up to church with. Is it a posture of consumption or contribution? Not what can I get from this place, but how can I serve And as you walk in a room, uh, 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 somebody who's contributing looks around and says, like, who are the people that I'm sitting around? Like, this room is, is a very diverse room. You're sitting around teenagers, adults, people who are way farther in their years than you and people who are much younger than you. You're sitting around people of a lot of different jobs and economic and social backgrounds. You're sitting around people who believe in Jesus with their whole hearts. And you're sitting around people who are one step away from never coming back to church. So you just need to know, like, that's the community you sit in right now. And a a contributor, somebody who sees the church for what it is, shows up and says, what can I bring to this? What can I bring to the table? I think we need a bigger vision. Even right here, do you guys know that, like, we as a church are about something greater than even this? In Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Christians in the room? Let your light shine before others, listen, so that they may see your good, what? <laughs> works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This, this verse, I've read it a hundred times, but it hit me over the head this week Because this whole idea of like, hey, let your light shine is kind of a Christian cliche at this point, isn't it? Hey, go let your light shine this week, right? And I don't know, like I grew up in the church, some of you didn't, but we said this all the time, you know? We sang songs, you know, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, right? And I think as a kid, I was like, all you gotta do is just stand on a hill and you just shine, (laughs) right? You just come into a room and you shine and people are like, I wanna follow Jesus, look at him, you know? He's such a light. He's the light of the world. Like, Jesus, wow. And so all we got to do is just go be at work and in school, and we just shine. You got to work, apparently, right? Read that again. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Apparently, when you do good works, then your light shines. The light of Christ comes through the good that you do, and that's why as a church, we are constantly trying to create opportunities for you to practice your faith in Jesus. For you to put some wheels on the car and get moving down the road and serving others the way that Christ first served you. And when you do, your faith comes alive, and the frustration starts to subside, and you start to become a little less disenfranchised and a little less jaded when it comes to the church. Because you're contributing, you're serving, and when you do, you're gonna start to see things happen, like miraculous things happen in people's lives. You're gonna be in somebody's house, a single mom, doing some work for her, taking care of some things. You're gonna get to pray for her, you're gonna see her needs, and you're you're gonna get this sense in your spirit that this is what you're here to do. Like, this is why I'm here. And all of a sudden, your faith's just gonna, gonna jump a notch, right? You're gonna serve some children, at ACF, and you're going to see this little 10-year-old just get it for the first time. And they're going to get grace, and they're from a rough home, and their parents maybe don't love Jesus, and one of their friends is bringing them to the church, and they just finally get the grace of Jesus for the first time, and you think, this is it. This This is what I've been missing. This is where the frustration comes from, is I thought I could just shine without serving. And I just want you to know you can't. But Christianity that results in serving will shine. The city will stand up and notice a church that serves like Jesus serves. It comes back to what our vision is, what we're here for. ACF Church does not exist for itself, but for the world. We exist for the world. We don't exist just for ourselves to build ourselves up, but we are a church that lives on mission. We need a bigger vision We need a bigger vision for our lives. We need to be part of something. We need to stop standing at a distance and step into the needs. And when you do, you will see your faith grow. You'll see lives change. And I don't know if you know this, but we all here today are standing on the shoulders of the faithful who came before us. Do you know that? I hope you know that. If you didn't, it's news to you today. We stand on the shoulders of the faithful. People have come before us. I mean, just today, somebody showed up here today before you did. Um, They kicked the lights on. Listen, this is what contributors do, is they walk in and they, they think about those things. They're like, somebody turn the lights on, right? Somebody's running sound. Say hi to the sound people back there. Media people, yep. They're awesome. Nobody looks at them unless something's wrong. So look at them and thank them, right? The band, they showed up earlier this week. They got off of work, they downed like a burrito supreme so that they could get here, so that they could rehearse for a couple hours, so they could go home and rehearse more so that you could have this opportunity to sing together. Things happen behind the scenes. Somebody is paying the mortgage for this property. Somebody is keeping fuel in those vehicles that are on the back of the building right now and working throughout the week on our new space. Somebody's doing all of that and contributors show up and go like, wow, I am standing on the shoulders of somebody else. Now, many of you contribute with your whole hearts. Many of you are part of this, and you get that. And my heart is that we would all get the joy of being part of something. And I want you to think too, years ago, I don't know if you know this, but this church has been around a while, since back in the 80s. Years ago, somebody thought of you when they planted this church. They didn't know you. They didn't know you'd be here today but they thought of you and they invested in the kingdom so that you could have a place to be today. And we actually had a great opportunity to have a conversation with a few of these people that are still around uh, about two weeks ago. And so I just want you to be a fly on the wall for that conversation and watch this. Well, thanks for making time to be here. Um, You all are part of this, as I said earlier, this elite small community of ACF people who are still in Alaska um, who were part of Alliance Christian Fellowship before Amanda and I even got to Alaska. And the goal is to, to just hear from you about where things have come from. And, and you, you guys have a perspective that I don't even have on what God has done through this community and how God has impacted lives. And I would love to hear from you of, of what you've seen over the years. And so I just love to go around the table and hear when did you first become part of, uh, of ACF? And and so Frank, um, Frank, you have some deep roots here uh, with Alliance Christian Fellowship. What, what year did you first become part of uh, the ACF
1: community? In August of 1986, but I was involved with it before that. At that time, we decided that we'd start planning a church, and this and the idea was to plant a planned church here in Eagle River. That church was started in November of 1984. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, the, the meetings were actually held in the top floor of what now is a Clutonin building here on Centerfield Drive. Oh, well, wow. yeah. There was 15 of us, mm-hmm. that's with children, mm-hmm. five families, 15 of us. Mm-hmm. The next year, we doubled from five families to 10 families. And in June of that year, we decided to change the name from Alliance Bible Church of Eagle River to Alliance Christian Fellowship, or ACF. So the first Sunday under ACF was that first Sunday in 1986. It was 4th July weekend. There was 13 of us at the service. And during our time of worship, one of the ladies went to her knees all during the worship time. My wife and I surrounded her. Her name was Tatiana. And Tatiana had just been diagnosed with a large tumor and a number of polyps. Uh, They had done six x-rays, I think, and they did six more x-rays to confirm it. Hmm. We prayed for her. She went in that week for colonoscopy. Uh, They couldn't find the tumor. The tumor was gone. Polyps was gone. Took x-rays to confirm it. So our first miracle uh, at ACF happened the first Sunday mm-hmm. as ACF.
0: That's amazing. And so you, you pastored ACF Church for how many years?
1: For 19 years. For 19 years. To August of 2004.
0: Okay. I've got nine under my belt mm-hmm. um, as a pastor, oh, yeah. so I'm working on it. I've <laughs> got a little time left. Going. And so, Morrissettes, so you came, what year did you guys start 1990. coming? 1990. 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, when you showed up to ACF Church, what, what what was it that made you stay? Why why did you stick around? And
2: for me, I think it was the um, a lot of it was the music it was something we had not really experienced, and um, that was really one of the big reasons. And then it was just a you know a small group, and just felt very welcoming, and just you know like it was where we needed to be.
0: Yeah. Now, Calhoun's and Bent Houses, who came first? Bent Houses penthouses came first what year did you guys start coming to acf the first time we came was
3: uh december 2007.
0: okay yeah. now you you had not been part of a church like acf before that was a new thing for you
3: yes I, well i mean a little bit of a back history with the calhouns is that we had we had started our own little fellowship here in New river and kind of like acf we were in a a strip mall just <laughs> down the street and uh we did that for about three years i believe it was, yeah, and decided that uh, it was time for uh, for us to uh, join another church, and uh, so several of the families that we had in that fellowship came to ACF.
0: Right, we and can- then not long after that. ACF moved into this building, yeah. which was a big deal for you. Uh, yeah, that's even going way back in the ministry.
3: Uh, I moved here in '88, and this was my church. I was uh, I was a Catholic <laughs> at that time, right? And uh, so I went to church here for nine years, right? In this building, God has such a humor. I right. just did not think that I would be coming back to this building. <laughs> God just does amazing things in a surprising. totally <laughs> different way. Yeah.
0: So John and Jody, you guys, what year did you guys start coming to ACO? Um, I was checking
4: in 07, 08, right okay. in there. Yeah. Just yeah. like maybe weeks after the and started like, good. Yeah, <laughs>
0: man. Over the years, God works through us and also in us as we serve in our part of a community. How have you, how has God been working in your heart over the past? years through ACF Church, through Alliance Christian Fellowship, what, what, do you, what do you feel like is different in your heart today than maybe when you first started becoming part of ACF?
2: Um, I think for me, it's just the authenticity that ACF breathes. You know, it's kind of um, what defines us. And so in turn, I think it's just allowed us to be the people that God has called us to be. And. To love people more genuinely. I feel like I love people more genuinely.
3: I think for me, it's uh, dealing with messy people in a messy church. I I think ACF is willing to allow the doors to be open to any and everybody that wants to hear about Jesus. And uh, that can get messy, and I'm okay with that. Where I wanted. I'm of the uh, the bend and come back from a very conservative background that I like things to be very precise and in their, in their categories and they stay there and they don't move out of it uh, and uh, coming to this church has thrown has me in that respect mm-hmm. to open my heart to people that uh, they don't have it all together and uh, and that's okay yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, because Jesus is there and huh. it's not about me
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's huge
0: well, we want to thank you guys, and um, I'm not the only one that wants to thank you, and so I know we kind of misled you here a little bit, but you guys can gather around here. And um, The people who are coming in the room now represent ACF Church today. So this, this is just a small portion of the people that you guys have made an impact on, and um, There are hundreds and thousands of people really who have been touched by your faithfulness over the years. And so I just want you guys to know, um, I know that you don't do any of this for recognition, but I want to recognize you guys as people who have been faithful and through your faithfulness have been used to change lives. And I know that's humbling, it's humbling for all of us, but uh, these people want to say thank you to you and we have a few that would love to just tell you their story.
5: My name is Dwayne, this is my wife, Misty. We started coming to ACF about nine years ago now. Uh, we started coming at a difficult time in our lives. We had, uh, my dad was dealing with cancer. Um, we were trying to find out where we fit in our, other, our, our home church at the time. And we were looking for somebody who's reaching out to the community and doing things. And we saw the small group that just started doing things. They weren't just talking, they were doing it. And that's where we started, we landed at ACF. Um, what really sealed it for us, for our family is, my dad passed, It was, we knew it was coming, it was sudden, but Pastor Brian, Pastor Rod stepped up to the plate. Everybody in this church just stepped up, didn't know who I was, didn't know my family, and they just were there. That, that sealed it for me. This, this church <clears throat> loves my family, loves this community, and that's why we're here today. That's why we're continuing to be here nine years later. And um, We love where we're, where we're headed with this family. It is a family to us.
2: For both of us, uh, ACF has completely changed our lives. It's. Um... I feel our marriage is better. We parent our kids better. Uh, we handle our finances better. Every aspect of our lives has been touched and changed in one way or another by this church and by the people here.
5: And for that, we're very thankful for, for you guys for, for stepping up and and building this community and loving our community. Absolutely. I'm Andy Richmond,
6: and uh, my wife couldn't be here today, but I'm speaking for her, too. That uh, I was just sitting outside counting the years. It's been six years since we started. June that we've been going to ACF and uh, beforehand I came up active duty military. Um, I would classify my wife and I as the de-churched, we knew church as kids and kind of never got it and we were at a point in our lives where we just weren't healthy, we just there's something missing and uh, at the time my neighbor worked for ACF, they had a sticker on the back and these guys are awesome. these guys are really cool, and they got it together. <laughs> I, I want to go, you know, we're missing something. I just need to show up and sat in back, you know, like you do when you come to a place new. Uh, but I never got the Word of God before. And here I am sitting back at church, and it's just not like I'm getting it. It's like it's written for me. Mm. And it meant, it meant a lot. I pulled out a card, and daddy called me not that long afterwards to say welcome, and it's awesome that I'm here. Um, and... uh not, I mean I've never been to a service as a child and like understood or, or cried just because the song spoke to me or the, the words were not just not just words anymore. So I know it felt like that for my wife. We both been baptized here. You know, we were we grew up Catholic, of course we were as babies, but this time it was our choice. Mm-hmm. And I switched to the Alaska National Guard because we wanted to stay up here and ACF was definitely a big part of that. Besides so just the wonders of Alaska, is we have a, another home and family here and uh have a look back it's been great and i really thank you guys for what you meant for us and what you started so thank you
4: hi everyone my name is tammy ryan and i came to acf about eight years ago um, and i came walking through the doors at a point in my life that was just really turbulent um, i had moved three times in less than two years and changed jobs um, with each of those moves and it was just this woman who was scared living in alaska by herself and just trying to find a place to fit. And I remember very clearly the night before I came to ACF that first time and just thinking, please God, let this be a place that I can fit. Let this be a place where I can make friends and have people in my life. Um, A place where I could love and also be loved. And it was from the moment that I walked in the doors that that was the case. And ever since then, I cannot even picture what my life would be like without ACF and it's because of you all and the vision and the belief that you had in God's ministry here at ACF um, in the Negro River and um, I'm just so grateful for each of you and the relationships that I formed here um, and the love that I have because of ACF and so I just want to say thank you very much.
2: Hi, I'm Emma. Um, I've been going to ACF for about three years now and I had no idea what the actual meaning of God and what His love was before I came here. Mm. Um, ACF has just really helped me and my family out so much. Um, And I realized that ACF was my home and that I've always just knew that God was putting me here at ACF for a reason. And about eight months ago, my house was broken into, and I was lost, and I didn't think that God was going to help me, but my life group stepped up, my small group for breakaways stepped up, and everybody was there for me. And I realized that God loves me, and I never felt that before. I didn't think that nobody could love me as much as God does. And I thank ACF so much for helping me realize that.
0: So you all have prayed so diligently over the years for our church and for the people in our church. And um, you have served and shown up. Um, You have worked and spent your Saturdays and your days off serving this church. You've given your finances to support things here I just want you to know how much of a difference you've made in in all of these people's lives in my life and in so many more to come and so I'm excited I'm excited that I, I really feel like this is just a portion of what God wants to do in our city that the stories that we've heard are representing hundreds if not thousands of more stories that are to come that we don't even know uh, these people and, and what God is preparing them for and so I want to thank you from my heart and our heart to you that we know that we stand on your shoulders and, and all of the years of, of effort and sacrifice that you poured into this community and you've inspired us and are inspiring everyone here to be part of something greater than ourselves because we know that a small investment today can be a changed life tomorrow. So we want to celebrate you guys today. Thanks. Can we give those guys a hand? That's awesome. I love it. You just sense kind of the emotion in the room when you're confronted with somebody who served you and they didn't even know you. That's powerful, isn't it? And so, I don't know what your prayer has been for the world. I don't know what you hope to see in the world. Maybe you've been waiting for God to wrap his loving arms around this world and and to make change in, in your community, in your schools, in your home. And God's saying, I want you to wrap your arms around them. God's giving you an opportunity to be his care and love and support and service to the world. And in that way, people will feel Jesus. And I'm sure that there's probably some of you in the room here today who have felt like your faith is pretty dry. You felt like, well, I kind of, I want more of Jesus, but there's something not clicking. There's there's something not coming together. And here's the last thing I want to say to you today is that you cannot take more of Jesus without Jesus taking more of you. If you want more of Jesus, then you're going to release your life into his hands. And to receive more of Jesus means giving up and saying, God, you can have all of me. And I know there's resistance and I know there's like, man, I've got stuff going on and I'm busy in, in my life and in my wants and stuff. And I have it as well. And I struggle with it as well. But every time we step out and we serve in the name of Jesus, we see our faith grow and I just, I think about how Jesus, you know, we resist that and we see Jesus on the cross with his arms open wide looking at the world saying, I want you to take all of me. Like my entire, I want you to take my life from me. The scriptures say that that, that Jesus wasn't, he didn't have his life taken from him but he laid it down willingly. Nobody takes the life of Jesus. Jesus lays his life down for the world. It's a willing decision made by a loving father. And so as his people, as God's people, what will you do to take a step to be a servant the way that Jesus served you? How will you move forward today? I want to encourage you to take one small step. We have a tank here on the stage, and we want to give you an opportunity to be baptized today. And if you don't know what baptism is, it's a symbol of our death to our old self. That old selfish, self-centered, consumeristic self is gone in the name of Jesus, and then as you come up out of the water, it's a symbol of your new life in Christ, your resurrected life. And here's, what, here's the deal. I know you're going to need practice. We all need practice. And I know you're not going to do it right the first time or the second time or the third time. But as you take steps, you will grow. And so if that's you today, if you're like, man, I, I, I just haven't been moving. I, I feel like my, my faith has not resulted in any doing." Then maybe your first thing to do today is to be baptized. We believe it's the the first step of obedience for a Christian. The first thing you're called to do is to go get baptized, to not be ashamed of the God who saved you. And so maybe you didn't come to church today thinking about that. Maybe you weren't ready for that. But uh, good news, we have a table in the lobby. We've got t-shirts, shorts, clothes for you, hair dryers in the bathroom. We've got everything covered, uh, so no excuses. If God is doing something in your heart, don't leave here without taking that step to be baptized, to go public with your faith. And I believe it'll be your first step to connecting your life to your belief. And in that, your faith, I believe, will come alive. And so during the first couple of songs, the band's going to come up. They're going to be playing for a few minutes. Just You can head out the back doors, and there's some people in the lobby. They would love to talk with you, give you some more details on how to be baptized. If today is your day, don't leave without taking that first step. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you've been here for many years, and you've still not been baptized, or you were baptized as an infant, and you didn't make that decision, but you want to do that on your own today. We'd love to help you to do that. So can I pray for us this morning? God, thank you today that you love us in our self-centeredness. We just want to lay that out and confess that, God, that we live lives that are centered around us. And God, you offer us something so much greater, a life that centers around you, that revolves around you. And God, we know that we can't experience that until we let go of what we have, until we begin to live lives focused on the world instead of on ourselves. God, we're not strong enough to do that. Uh, We can't do that our own. We need the work of your spirit in our hearts to transform us, to change our desires so that we might love you better and love people better. God, thanks for your grace on us. Thanks that we have a place to be. Thanks that people thought of us before they never knew us. And God, thanks for those that would be yet to come in the future, whose lives we might be a part of, that one day we can stand before you That you can say that we were part of changing lives as we stepped out in obedience to you. We love you, God. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Amen, love you guys, thanks.